1: Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast. I'm Steve Nolan, joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And Andrew Brooker. Evening, gents. As we take a look at this week in film, including a main release review of Alien Covenant, the latest film in the Alien franchise, um, as well as uh, all the other bits and pieces. We'll start with the um, the quiz, Oh, I and mean, we are losing 1-0. Yeah,
0: what is it this week? Is it going to be on James Cullen Brasic? Is it going to be on computer games? No. Well,
2: to be fair, you could have done it on Alien, I would have been right. No, it
1: was, um, it was it's, um, The Life and Times of Andrew Brooker, <laughs> <laughs> It's the quiz.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah I'm definitely failing yeah. this
1: uh, no it's just a normal, a normal quiz no no kind of hidden agenda a bit different with the scoring so you get a point for every correct answer but if you get a question wrong it wipes all the points you've accumulated
0: hell. and
1: you have to start again from from zero
0: Jesus Christ okay.
1: so there's um, yeah, a bit different in terms of format a bit, bit more to play for a bit more at risk Uh, The first question is, it's all multiple choice, though. The first question, um, other than Sigourney Weaver, who else was uh, a strong contender to play Ripley in Alien? Was it Meryl Streep, Carrie Fisher, or Diane Keaton?
0: Oh, man. When was it? I guess Carrie... um, Diane Keaton, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I see. I kind of want to say
2: Carrie Fisher
0: yeah but at the same time really i can't dominant. imagine although there is the kind of no no i'm gonna stick with diane keaton <laughs>
1: I'm brooker who are you going for
2: fuck it meryl streep
1: uh, brooker you're correct it was meryl streep oh what <laughs> she was uh, <laughs>
2: that would have been the worst film it would have ever. been
1: very different wouldn't it I, mean, I don't know about diane keaton but carrie fisher if alien was 78 star wars was 77 and so she, that would Alien was probably filming while Star Wars was released, and no one would have really known how good she was in a in a kind of sci-fi film. And it's a different type of film mm. as well. Um, Meryl Street, yes, apparently according to DVD commentary on one of the films or releases, she was a, a, a close second or or a, a, another choice um, to to Sigourney Weaver for um, mm. that role. Um, well. So, out of these three films, uh, other than Alien, out of these three, which has uh, featured Sigourney Weaver? Was it uh, Battlefield Earth, Galaxy Quest, or Space Jam?
0: I think I know this one.
2: Okay. I definitely know this one. Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: Yes, you're both correct. So, it's uh, 2-1 to Brooker currently. So, following on from that, in which space-based film did Alan Rickman feature? Was it uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Battlefield Earth, or Attack of the Clones?
2: I
0: know this one as well. I don't. I will wait. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. Hitchhiker's Guide.
1: Yes, you're you're both correct. So it's now 3-2 to Brooker.
0: He was the voice of um, Marvin. Yes.
1: So the writer of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was Douglas Adams. Which sci-fi series did he also write for? Was it Blake 7... Battlestar Galactica or Doctor
0: Who? I reckon Doctor Who is the red herring there. You reckon? Uh, Blake Seven, I think. You Blake don't Seven.
1: have to agree with each other. <laughs> you, 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 you <laughs> it does kind of like, defy so. the point, yeah. either, doesn't it?
0: Maybe me saying that was a red herring. When that's maybe it to, was. You know. mm.
2: maybe, maybe, you know what, maybe I'll say Doctor Who anyway, just because why the fuck not? Right.
1: Who's saying what? I'm saying Doctor Who. Blake Seven. I don't have a, a sound effect when someone loses their points, but Owen, oh, you've done just that. Uh, um it is it is doctor who, so uh so brooker is now winning four <laughs> nil but you could still win it would only take one incorrect answer for uh mm. for, for brooker to lose all his points uh previous doctor who christopher eccleston featured in which marvel film was it guardians of the galaxy one <laughs> thor two or doctor strange
0: oh shit four two yeah he was the dark elf guy he was mm-hmm.
1: yes and that's uh a 5-1 to, to Brooker but with we've, we've two questions left and, and the format is, is uh, still if all I just say
2: pass do I lose all my points you do yes if I could cheese my way to the end
1: <laughs> <a bit. laughs> uh, uh, Natalie Portman who was who was in Thor 2 uh, was in which 90s sci-fi film Independence Day Deep Impact or Mars Attacks
0: Ooh. I think I know this one uh,
2: mars attacks fuck
0: it I don't know. yeah i think it's mars attacks
1: <laughs> yeah you're both both correct is mars attacks uh so brooke is now leading six two mm-hmm. um but there is all to play for um sarah jessica parker played a newsreader in mars attacks uh, or a news anchor chat show host whatever um what other 80 well what what 80s kind of sci-fi family film was she in? Was she in Flight of the Navigator, Short Circuit, or Batteries Not Included? Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Mm. I have no idea. Flight of the Navigator is about a boy who gets abducted by aliens and then brought back eight years later to Earth. And it's all a bit weird. Short yeah, circuit one. is about Short Circuit is about a little robot dude, and batteries not included is like there's a, a, a block of flats and there's some little robot alien things that try to help the, the people who live there have it not torn down by some greedy developer people.
2: I know mm. for sure she's not in one of them, but the other two...
1: She, she's not in two of them.
2: Well, no, I, 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 we know, not... <laughs> I know definitely one of the ones she's not in. The other two, it's 50-50, so whatever the first one was you said.
1: Flight to the Navigator. Yeah. Okay. And Owen, which one are you going for?
0: So we're guessing the one that she was in? yes yeah I'll go I'll do the same Flight of the Navigator <laughs> Just that's the sensible cheese thing cheese it to the end and hope and pray well,
1: it's, it's, it's not a set really you should pick something different because if if you're both right but Brooker's one but if you yeah <laughs> so we both right Brooker's one that the, it's if the if, last question yeah.
0: yes oh well well in which case uh, batter is not included
1: well you're, you're wrong I Brook. Brooker's right <laughs> <Either> <laughs> <I'm from nil. laughs>
0: Outstanding. And I,
1: I take a 2 0 lead in the quiz, and you are one step closer to watching one of the Emmanuel films.
2: I, I genuinely love that you let him talk you into losing all of your points before you lost as well.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it did seem a bit pointless of it being the last question in picking the same answer as you. What
0: kind True. of quiz is the best of like seven? Did you just get bored? Just... No, I ran out of time. I ran out of time. <laughs> <sighs>
1: I was trying to link all the films as well, and I kind of got to, like, and I kind of got to a dead end with Flight no of, the navigator. To go from Flight of the navigator. No, I couldn't. I couldn't link it to anything, so I was just, I was kind of stuck with it because the guy who played the kid is done nothing after that film, and the guy who played the voice of the spaceship was Pee Wee Herman. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> definitely played to all of our strengths with the Pee Wee Herman questions
1: yeah yeah so I couldn't really go anywhere with it so I just stopped um, anyway yeah so that's me winning 2-0 and I cannot wait for you to have to watch one of the Emmanuel films Well, I can wait oh, you're, you're watching one of them that, that's it I don't know which one yet. Yeah, it depends which one I can find but... oh dude you
2: could have gone full circle and landed back at Alien from Flight of the Navigator ow Veronica Cartwright's in it
1: is she yeah apparently uh, yeah, yeah. Never mind. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to do that now. Well, that's
0: just not putting any effort in now, is it, Steve?
1: So? <laughs> it's a bit think late. You right? Carry
0: on. Just continue the quiz. It's not over yet. Just, just make up
1: <laughs> questions.
0: <laughs> until you make you up win. the answers as well. That's the fun bit about it.
1: We yeah. don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, no, let's carry on. There's there's some news. Um, and Owen, it is you've you've found this news. I've um, I'm not too familiar with the guy who who it involves. So I'll let you uh, talk about him.
0: Yeah, Poe's booth has died. Um, we haven't had a good uh, obituary in a while now, have we? No, we haven't. So, 2017
1: isn't killing people at the rate 2016 was.
0: Exactly. Our uh, obituary corner has kind of had to be shelved until today. But yeah, Poe's booth, he's, um, I mean, I knew him really as Curly Bill in Tombstone. And I knew him in Sin City. And of course. Say, I
1: thought you could say Curly Watts
0: from Coronation Street, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you remember who he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Um, and he was the, the bad guy in sudden death as well. Uh with John Claude Van Damme, of course. But I think probably his most famous role is Deadwood. Which oh. Rooker, I know you're a you're a fan of.
2: I am a massive he was so good as sight Oliver in Deadwood. He was just he was mm. kind of the polar opposite to Ian McShane's loud and larry, sweary guy. And he, but he was really calm and quiet and collected, but equally as nasty. And he was so good. I can't mm. believe I literally I looked it up this morning. Deadwood finished 11 years ago. I had no idea it was that long ago. I still watch it now as if it only just finished.
0: Yeah, it's one of those weird shows, wasn't it? They came around the same time as um, The Wire and um, The Sopranos and other sort of big HBO yeah, when time. HBO um,
2: really were in their prime.
0: Yeah, the the so-called golden age of TV, right? Yeah. Where Fox were bashing out 24 and Prison Break. You know, and of course he was in 24 as well, Poe's Booth.
2: Yeah, um, yeah played a vice president, if I remember right.
0: He, yeah, possibly. I don't know. I think that was what was on the IMDb. I don't remember. I've never seen 24. But I, <gasps> Dude! Yeah, any of it. Never watched it. I think because I missed the first season, and then I was like, hmm... I can hear it Callum's like head a,
2: exploding right
0: now. I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so Deadwood was one of those that came around. A, was a little bit under the radar, wasn't it? Even stuff at the time like um, Six Feet Under, which was more kind of understated than the showy yeah. uh, Deadwood. Um, yeah, kind six, of six Feet, feet Under was did, massive
2: so. when it was on, wasn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I, I yeah. missed it completely. I didn't watch it till, till Sky created Sky Atlantic and all of Six Feet Underworld ended up on there.
0: I watched it when it was first on and then I went on holiday and missed an episode. So this was like before the days of just recording for Sky it... Plus
2: and catch up TV. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, And so I missed a couple episodes and then came back and I was like, oh, well, never mind. You know, it was kind of interesting, but. Uh, Never went back to it. But I bought the box set on DVD, never finished that. But Poe's Booth wasn't in Six Feet Under. No. (laughs) He was in Deadwood, which I have never quite gotten into either. Really? Yeah. I mean, I tried to watch... My dad used to love it. I remember he he used to watch it when it was on TV. And I used to sit down and watch it sometimes and just think, it just seems like lots of swearing and aggression and not much in the way of story.
2: That's the best bit. (laughs) <laughs> but literally, the, the amount of times Ian yells the word cocksucker, it's a thing of absolute beauty.
0: But that's all it seemed like it was when I tried to give it a go. Um, and I've never really been back to it. Well, I I, I, I did sort of half-watch the first episode, but it was recorded off the telly, and it was in really poor quality, so I gave up yeah. again. But yeah, no, I mean, as far as I know, it, he's it's one of his most lauded roles, isn't it? Yeah. It's the thing that I think most people now are going to remember him for. was um,
2: Yeah, that and, his that part and probably in Sin Deadwood. City.
0: Yeah, perhaps Sin City in terms of films, but definitely Deadwood is his most iconic character. Yeah. Yeah,
1: a shame. What I've been watching now, are we take a look at the films we've seen in the last week or so, not at the cinema. Um, I mean, why will not you start us off?
0: Okay, dokie. Okay. I watched... A film by a guy called Mark Lester, who is, of course, the director behind such classics as Roller Boogie, Poseidon Rex, and Dragons of Camelot. You know, that Mark Lester. Oh, him, yeah, Mark Lester.
1: Oh, yeah. He's he the one from Dragons of Camelot.
0: That's him, yeah. yeah. That's Mark Lester. Yeah, yeah,
1: a film about dragons from Camelot.
0: Mm. He also made a film in 1985 called. Commando which you might have heard of and that's what I watched this week I watched today in fact because we got to this afternoon and realized I hadn't actually seen anything worth talking about on the podcast so I quickly snuck in an hour and a half of Arnold Schwarzenegger shooting people and generally saving his daughter from bad men um that's essentially the plot really
1: does he have a particular set of skills
0: it, well, you know, there are very uh, there are many parallels between this and Taken. It is all about his daughter gets kidnapped and he goes to save her, you know. He's um There's
2: more rocket launchers in this one though.
0: There is, yes. There's a couple of uh, rocket launchers, grenades, machine guns, oozes, magnums, you know Ice creams. <laughs> yeah, magnums, <laughs> cornetos, loving the, Celeros, Mr. the bad guys. Yeah. A few zaps that are just randomly about uh but it's i mean i the weird thing is about commando right you can honestly take it at face value as this very earnest cheesy 80s action movie right but i also think it's a bit more clever than that i think it's weird in the a uh, director like Mark Lester who just makes crap. Yeah, he made Showdown in
2: Little Tokyo. You leave that man alone. Oh
0: yeah, that is true. He did make Showdown in Little Tokyo. I will I will um, retract my statement that is a quality <laughs> action movie. But the thing with okay, the difference between Showdown in Little Tokyo, which is a buddy cop movie and Commando, is Showdown in Little Tokyo is just a buddy cop movie. With Dolph Lundgren and uh, Brandon Lee, is it? Yep, yep. And Commando is, I think, a weird, weirdly positioned deconstruction of like masculinity and kind of what it means to be a man. You know, what is a man? What should a man be? Because I think, okay. So if I give you a couple of examples of what I'm talking about, now you both have you both have seen Commando, right? Recently, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you've seen it recently. So, do you know what the first shots of Arnold Schwarzenegger are in this? Well, the very the, uh, first shots arms. of him, exactly chopping wood,
2: and then him carrying a fucking great log. Or is it well, right?
0: it's before before you see him chopping the wood. It is like the first thing you see is a close up of his like bulging bicep, yeah, as he's like carrying a massive log on one shoulder, like it's nothing. It's Just all There's testosterone,
2: no like it oozes from your screen.
0: Exactly, yeah. He is a manly man. There's all this symbolism going on, you know, he's got massive arms, he's just a hulking muscle. You know, then it's him chopping the wood, like you say. So that's the first time you see him. You know manly. in terms of I bet that dude's sweat tastes like Budweiser. <laughs> <When> you, <laughs> like, you first see him, that's what you see of him. Do you, do you remember what his first line of dialogue is though?
2: Uh, I'm going to say okay. no, because otherwise I'm just going to try and play out the whole opening scene in my head.
0: Yeah. The first thing he says on screen is, why don't they just call him Girl George? It would cut down on the confusion. Yeah. Because he's looking through whatever magazine it is and it's got Boy George in it. Yeah. It's a, I mean, those two things together, I think they really set this up as, okay, this isn't just about, oh, he's great because he's a man. It's like a... A kind of analysis of, well, this is what a representation of a manly man is. Is it... I don't think it's even... I I don't think it does it to criticise or anything like that. I think it just represents the most vivid interpretations of a heterosexual man, right? As a hero and what that is. Yeah. I think it's an observation more than it is a criticism.
2: I just... I kind of... I watched it a couple of months ago at mm. work with nothing to do. I had it on my iPad because, yay, Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Literally, because I I think if I'd have watched it maybe four years ago, I probably would have said the same thing. But now I look at it and go, that's just him telling really shit dad jokes. It could be. It's the kind of bollocks that would come out of my mouth now. Absolutely.
0: But I think it... Uh, <laughs> but it, it probably is. And, it, you know, but why... It's not a particularly natural sentence and I think it has kind of relevance to what's going on. Yeah. So I think because of the the fact that it's the first thing he says after the first time you see him. I mean that's that's all you need to know about his character, right? He's a dad. He's strong and he thinks you know, why don't they call him girl George? He's not male. He's not a man. He's not an I you know he's not a figure (laughs) that he can identify with, right? That's basically what he's saying. And even throughout the the film, there's there's these, you know, repetition of things like she says, um, you know, I I can't believe this macho bullshit as they're scrapping around a hotel room, you know, and these guys eat too much red meat. I mean, (laughs) again, it's all this repetition of of that kind of that kind of thing. And even like at the very end, you've got the showdown between Bennett and Matrix. Right. And Bennett says, I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes. I'm going to shoot you between the balls. Yeah. Which, again, is like the idea of it's worse to be emasculated than it is to just be shot in the head and die. So I think it is like this observation. Especially from
2: a dude who spent the entire film walking around in a chain male vest.
0: Who is full of gay iconography. You know? <laughs> he's wearing a, a leather, he's wearing leather trousers. He's got like a string vest. He's got a, like a, a gay porn star moustache. I think it's all, yeah.
2: It's a proper Freddie Mercury tash as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Amazing. Exactly. So um I think there's all this kind of extra stuff that's going on here, no, in, in it. No,
2: because now it now this time I this whole watch is it, gonna be Arnie beats the, the representation of gayness.
0: Exactly, yeah. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't f I think it's a very um I don't think it makes it an uncomfortable watch. I just think it's an observable fact.
2: But it does make and it so, very eighties now.
0: Yeah, yeah. But then, like I say, you could just watch it as that 80s action film. and um, trying to look at why it's so cheesy was quite interesting. Um, it isn't one that we've particularly covered in film studies. This is just something I watched and I think now just kind of for the first time really try to pick it apart a bit more than just watch it as Arnie shoots some guys. Um, but saying that... It is still a lot of fun as Arnie shoots some guys and has lots of one liners. It is one
2: of, the, one of the best Arnie shoots people films.
0: Oh, uh, and just like full of great, great little one liners, like him eating green berets for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm a green beret. Well, I eat green berets for breakfast. <laughs> you know, you said you would kill me last. <laughs> I lied. lied. I had to let him go, all that <laughs> kind of stuff, you know? Uh, it's just like, it is the, it's weird as well. I was saying to, because I watched it with Elisa and we were talking about like Schwarzenegger, he could not have been a movie star if he was around in, like, if he was trying to, well, he, he tried to do this in the 70s and it didn't work. You know, no. Hercules in New York just was a complete flop. If he was around in the 60s, it wouldn't have worked. If he was around in the 90s, like emerging in the 90s, he wouldn't have worked because he wouldn't have been cool enough to do this. No. And so, he like, smack bang right in the middle of the 80s. Terminator, Commando, Predator, those sort of films all together. It just was the perfect guy at the perfect time. So, yeah, I mean, he just fits the role of John Matrix exquisitely. There's lots of, I mean, I, I, the first time I saw it, I loved it. Second time I saw it, I think I liked it less. And the few time, every time I've seen it since, actually, it's just improved again.
2: You just oh, see man. more in it. I, I remember watching this on VHS, my mum's next-door neighbour <laughs> take taped it off Sky Movies. Uh, the only person on the estate that had Sky Movies at the time. <laughs> that, that's how fucking council estate we were. Hmm. But yeah, it was on the same tape as Predator and Robocop. Oh, Remem- remembering they all came out around the same time. I must yeah. have been seven when I saw all those films. <laughs> I'm surprised my mum isn't in prison. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I saw I saw Predator before my teenage years and loved it. I just uh, and Terminator, I watched at my I watched Arnie in Terminator when I was the first time I stayed anywhere that wasn't home. I think I was it was at my grandma's. And I think basically my mum and dad just palmed me off on my grandma for an evening of, like, quiet. And um, whilst I was there, my grandma had a little TV in the in the spare room. And I was like, can I watch the TV? And she's like, yeah, sure. And I was like, this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> you know, I was about <laughs> seven, I think, and Terminator 2 was on. And so that was, like, my first introduction to Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I fucking bawled my eyes out at the end of it, of course.
2: To be fair, I'm a grown man now, and I
0: still do. It still has that effect, yeah. (laughs) And it absolutely terrified me. Scared the living shit out of me. Wow. But I think watching stuff like that early, I don't know. I think it has, like, a desensitizing effect. Whether that leads to people becoming serial killers or not, I don't think so. But in terms of the effect that these movies then have when you're older, it probably does lessen it. But... um also like has that strange like affinity to it because it's just yeah i love action movies and i think commando is a very good example of one that's doing what it should do but doing more than that as well
2: got more brains than it's given credit for 90 absolutely I
0: i genuinely think i genuinely think so also weirdly it's kind of it kind of ties into alien covenant because of the whole aspect of this like emasculation of men and stuff
2: and Arnie has a surprise cameo in
0: Alien Covenant as well. Mm. <laughs> There's lots of lots of things I've seen in this now that, having watched Alien Covenant recently, I think, oh, yeah, I see. They're both doing similar things in different ways. So yeah, it's worth it's, like as, as Brooker just said, it's on Netflix as well. So it's worth a watch if you've not seen it for a while. Okay,
1: uh, Brooker, what have you
2: seen? So I finally, finally managed to get hold of a film that. I've been desperate to watch this. It's uh, Jessica Cameron's Truth or Dare, which is a it's a bit infamous as well. I, I mean, I, I think it's it's almost quite it's quite well known. It won't. I don't think it'll ever come out on DVD or Blu Ray or anything over here because it is it's rather nasty. But I managed to swear, <laughs> sweet talk my way into getting a copy sent to me.
0: How did you manage that?
2: Uh, by constantly hounding Jessica Cameron on.
0: No, the, uh, really? <laughs> seriously. <laughs> she uh, could have done it from the Fail um, Critics account. She follows us. And for a year, she used to tweet the same thing every single day. And Steve and I would get notifications on our phones every single day from Fail Critics because Jessica Cameron was sharing her interview with us. Nice. It was kind of nice, actually.
2: But, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the first time I heard of the film was, was with the interview that she'd done with. Mike.
0: Mm, Mike Shawcross. Yeah. He covered um, Fright Fest that.
2: Was that 2014? 2014, yeah. Cause the film yep. was made 2013. It went to Fright Fest 2014 because he, mm-hmm. he'd done an interview and he'd done a review for it as well.
0: Well, yeah, he interviewed, he interviewed Jessica and Ryan Kaiser who I think yeah. is in in Truth I, or Day.
2: I think it was one of the first things I read on the site before I had anything to do with you guys. Like, at all.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs> Amazing. So and we've got Mike to thank for that.
2: I have a little bit, yeah, because not long afterwards, I saw her in To Jennifer,
0: because
2: mm-hmm. she played Jennifer. So yeah, hounding people for copies of films. Yeah, I, I was very lucky to have this one sent to me. So I finally got to watch it, and
0: holy shit, just holy shit. It's, this, from what I gather, very twisted.
2: It's It's nasty, <laughs> like really nasty, but... I I wanna I wanna say it's really nasty, but I fucking loved this film. It was absolutely brilliant. This film I think can be defined with what is probably my favorite line in the film, which which is literally cutting off my nipples is not the same as ripping off a band-aid. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's not an awful lot plot-wise to the film. It's a, a group of people who get famous on YouTube-ish by doing extreme truth or dare and they ha- they have a, a tv interview it turns out obviously it's all staged because you can't kill people on screen and keep doing it an obsessive fan decides to take it a little step further and forces these people into a a proper real life game of truth or dare with very 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 extreme consequences What's interesting about this film? Okay, so I I wasn't entirely sure what I was letting myself in for. No, no, I was kind of sure what I was letting myself in for, but I wasn't expecting half of what I got. Obviously, everybody knows the game, truth or dare. You choose truth or dare, and then you have to do one or the other. You either tell a truth that no one knows, or you do a dare. So the first couple of times these people at gunpoint on film, first couple of times it's their turn to choose truth or dare. They choose truth. And some of the darkest shit comes out of these people, like really dark there's incest, there's pedophilia there's one of them used to be a man mm. and i thought what what the fuck is going on it so so for a little while you're like okay this is this is quite I'm not sure where this this nastiness comes from, or you know where this uh because it's quite infamous for being really horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where this is coming from. It's 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 pretty hardcore, and it's like confessions from these people, if you like. But it's not, you know, it's not nasty. And then someone chooses dare, and the first dare that's done on screen is someone has to eat a bunch of smashed up glass. And you, right. get to, you get to sit and watch it in quite horrible detail. And it all goes downhill from there. I'm loath to start saying some of the best bits in case people do get a chance to watch it. Because some of the stuff you see is a complete surprise, is really fucking horrible. And some of it really did come close to my line of start watching it through my fingers. It was so horrendous. But at the same time, I really want to talk about it. I don't want to spoil it, but I really want to talk about some of it because it's just so gross and so wrong. But i tell you what, let let's suffice to say, some of my favourite ones include forced masturbation with a wine bottle. I've seen that on Big Brother, though.
0: I was going to say King, Kinga?
2: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But it was not followed by... <laughs> forced how I don't even know how you would describe this necrophilic cunnilingus? um right yeah of that but you didn't fucking see that on big brother did
0: you <laughs>
2: <laughs> <A few, laughs>
0: it for a few years to be fair yeah, <laughs> so, yeah uh, it, pretty tough to watch for me i, I
2: <laughs> maybe this is the whole desensitized thing <laughs> you were talking about earlier but I I mean there were some bits what made me go, oh, that was oh, that was a bit much. Mm-hmm. But I mean nothing that crossed my li nothing across the line for me. I mean, you know, we're not I don't own an equivalent of a Serbian film, which is just horrendous awfulness. Uh you know, it's it's still entertaining. It's still very good.
0: Uh mm.
2: well but I mean it, it ain't gonna be for everyone. I can guarantee
0: you that. What you... I know about um, Truth or Dare because obviously I haven't been able to see it for all the reasons you've you've covered, um, but
2: I, it will never it was, ever be released in this country, not no. not uncut.
0: But it was a response to what I think Jessica Cameron called safe, yes, horror movies. Yeah, it was it it was the Blumhouse kind of saturation of um you know shit scary quote unquote scary yeah um, it it's definitely when films. you
2: when you look at it it's definitely uh a response to churned out yeah paint by numbers horror by committee
0: definitely so she she purposefully went all out to make the most vile and offensive things yeah from what because... i've read
2: yeah. She, I think she decided to make it herself because the directors mm-hmm. on the shortlist for it, the ones that were able to get on board and do it, wanted to cut the violence down.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And she really didn't want to do that. Which, yeah. you know, fair play for sticking to your guns because it is, it is, you know, horribly unreleasable. <laughs> you know, it's. You you do limit your market severely by doing that. And and to have the balls, so to speak, to do that still is mm-hmm. impressive. And it is dude, you've you've got to come down here and watch this
0: film. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to at some point. I mean, I'm curious to see. I do find though the It is very indie horror.
2: Of... It is still a you know
0: Yeah. Indie horror is fine, and I can get on board with an indie horror. When it's still it shoestring budget
2: for. indie horror with shoestring budget indie horror grossness, but it is very, very good. And and again, much smarter than I think a lot of people that watch it will. Well, no, that's not fair because a lot of people that will watch this would be fans.
0: Yeah. Because it's a commentary on the genre. So I think that is. gives it a bit of credence. Just all out torture porn mm. for the sake of like some sick. Fantasy realisation stuff I hate that I absolutely detest stuff like that But I th- I, I would think... stick it I would stick it in the same kind
2: of Can we say social commentary? I'd stick it in the same yeah. kind of social commentary films As say Green Inferno
0: it, Well uh, Is it? Because I think Without seeing it And it might be a, unfair A response but like Green to in...
2: insane internet stardom
0: mm, uh, Yeah Okay fair enough well, yeah, maybe I just shouldn't say anything till I've watched I it. I mean, that's just, that's
2: just my take on it. That's yeah, just, yeah. you know, there's definitely, there's a lot of, I don't know, anger. I don't think mm-hmm. it's anger, but <laughs> it looks like anger at people who have gotten famous on YouTube for doing absolutely nothing. Mm. Uh, and I do, I do think it's, you know, as much as it's a, a response to shit, paint by numbers horror, I, it does have the feeling of a response to shit internet celebrity as well
0: yeah as i mean as long as it can say why it's angry about that, then I'll be okay with that but it's it's this just needless hate towards things that's like manifested as what so we'll cut his dick off or make him eat glass or whatever that's kind of that yeah we then we it get, then it feels very
2: that that this uh, film definitely uh, needs beer yeah yeah pizza. Mm. Maybe not pizza because you probably won't be able to finish it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah,
0: definitely beer. <laughs> it's like it's like when they try and make a social commentary horror, right? It has to it has to answer the stuff that it's criticising, you know. Yeah, and the because I think stuff if it does
2: it, it tends to if, fail at that miserably.
0: Yeah, because if it's just a shallow piece of dirge. Then it'll feel like that and it'll, it won't feel like a good movie. I really did like Green Inferno and I know lots of people dislike it, but I do. I think Green In- Inferno is beyond just, you know, the torture porn. It isn't just about a bunch of idiots uh, who are just painted as idiots because they're young who go into a jungle and get eaten. Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's more about, I think, whatever you think of Eli Roth, his opinion of this. SJW culture, as he yeah. sort of called it in an interview, of people who want to take credit for doing good when all they've done is like clipped a retweet on something, yeah. and then hound other people when they don't do the same and say they're horrible people, yeah. just to feel superior. That's what he would. That's what his whole thing was about uh, in Green Inferno. And I think that came through. My my trouble would be with Truth and Dare is if it's just saying people who get famous through YouTube for no reason aren't they a load of idiots? Let's just make them do horrible things. Then I would feel less inclined to watch it. However, again, I'm not trying to pass judgments on it because I haven't seen it. And I do want to see it because I do think there is possibly something there that's going to be quite interesting, particularly um, if that's what you're saying, it, you know, it is making an actual commentary on stuff.
2: Oh it, so, yeah, for sure it is. Yeah. I, I do think you'll like it as well. I think you Probably a bit like me, kind of sit there and go, "Do I need to? Do I need? Maybe I need to stop looking at this because holy, <laughs> holy fuck! That's oh shit! That's yeah. horrible!"
0: And that's the other thing; it's 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 supposed to make you squirm, isn't it? Oh she, yeah! Did and you it, get a sick bag?
2: I did. Yeah, <laughs> I did. It's awesome. It's yeah. gone into my permanent collection.
0: <laughs> that's kind of a neat little thing, isn't it? It is amazing. Yeah. I. Yeah.
2: Cause uh, and apparently, like if, you know, there's loads of these things kicking around. Like they all, when they were showing at a Fright Fest, they she was handing them out at Fright Fest as well. Yeah. But obviously, yeah, this is before my Fright Fest days, so I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see it there, and I am a little bit sad about that. I would have liked to have seen it on the big screen, but that will never ever happen. I don't think.
0: Yeah. From what I gather, it went down really well at the time as well. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to. And, to and you know,
2: yeah. Mike's, like I said, Mike's thing was the first thing I read of it, and he he had nothing but. Positive things to say about it, for the most part. Mm. I, I'm, I'm really, really chuffed that I finally managed to watch it. I'm really chuffed that I get to talk about it. <laughs> I wish more people were able to see it. As much as I probably wouldn't recommend it to everybody I know.
0: Is it one of the, It's one of these proper horror film fans. We well, you
2: know you have those film. films that you have those films where everybody goes, okay, it's a bit nasty, but you'll probably like it. Like mm. I'm handing out my copy of The Void to everybody that that I walk past. Because I think everybody <laughs> should see it. And it's genuinely a really good horror film. But it's nothing compared to the violence and nastiness in Truth or Dare. And I will probably just go, yeah, I don't think you can handle that. <laughs> <laughs> but it is really good. And if you have a chance to watch it, you know, not just you, but any anybody listening, if you have a chance to watch it,
1: absolutely do. Well, uh, I'm just glad that I've stopped having... Balls out torture porn tweeted to me every day. Because <laughs> I, quite frankly, had enough of it. Now wrong with ridiculous. torture porn? Well...
0: It was the, I think it was a, a constant daily barrage of Balls out torture porn.
1: It was more than daily. It was like you think you had a tweet from somebody and it was just that. And you was like, again?
0: <laughs> what have you seen then, Steve?
1: I have seen... Uh, Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Somebody saw Snatch, didn't they? Um, I think someone reviewed that last week or the week before.
0: It was Tony's cho- Snatch was Tony's choice for the um, uh, British comedy post nineteen eighties triple bill. Um, I also watched Lockstock last week, and so I'm looking forward to seeing. Because you said it was your favourite, right? It was your preferred one of the two. Not that,
1: um, not that either of them are bad, but that's my mm-hmm. preferred one out of both of them. Is um, that still what? true? Yeah, very much so. Um, and then everything that Guy Ritchie's done since is kind of diminishing returns. And so then you, you, what we've not had this weekend. To,
0: you, yeah, I was going to say, you, so you're looking forward to King Arthur then? No. <laughs> Back in the movie? Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be awesome. It looks like such a bag of shit. Like, I gen- I think it's gonna be really good and surprise lots of people. I looked
2: at it and I went, I just I can't even be bothered to go to the unlimited screening. I've already booked for it. It just looks so wank. Um it could it could turn out
0: wank, but I it, it will. will. <laughs>
1: Undoubtedly.
2: They, they've already cancelled their six film plan for a franchise, uh, did, haven't y- they?
0: You heard about this as well. They're gonna yeah, they were gonna do six King Arthur movies. Hey bold.
2: We don't need a that. King Arthur cinematic universe.
0: I would be down for that. I think that maybe Guy Ritchie's not the <laughs> Guy Ritchie's not the man to start off a
2: franchise like that.
0: Yeah. But at the same time, um there's a lot of King Arthur legend out there. There's you know, it did you know okay, a couple of facts. Did you know he was Welsh? Yes. First of all. Yeah. So he's Welsh. Did you know the majority of the Poems and legends written about King Arthur were French. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. They came from France, apparently. I was reading that recently. Right. Yeah. King Arthur is like mainly a French concoction of a Welsh legend. And there's no dragons. Uh, There's possibly dragons. No. Re- I'm reading one epic poem, which is like a French version from, I don't know, 15th century or something. And it's translated into modern English. And it's just... I mean, the film can't be worse than that. That is lots of people sitting around feasting for the first half of the book. So, <laughs> fingers crossed, King Arthur the movie is more than just people sitting around having a feast talking about what they're going to do.
2: Well, that, that, that sounds like Tarantino's King Arthur.
0: Yeah, it's basically the first half of The Hobbit. <laughs> just... <laughs> Mm.
2: But
1: anyway, so yeah, I saw.
0: Sorry, Yes, yeah, we just going off on a tangent.
1: I saw of Stock, and, and Two Smoking Barrels, which I first saw when I was thirteen, and I can't remember how I ended up seeing it when I was thirteen. It definitely wasn't in the cinema, and a few of my mates saw it and thought it was the best thing ever, and that is kind of tempered since, but it is very good.
0: It's a very 13-year-old kind of movie.
1: Yeah, but it's obviously started Jason Statham before he became an out-and-out out action hero um, and Dexter Fletcher and some people who just haven't done a great deal since in terms of acting, really, or haven't done any major kind of, of roles. Um, it's one of the first ones I've seen where it's kind of multiple story threads that tie together. Um, the dialogue's very fast-paced and witty and it's funny. Um, and it's very quotable it, it it all comes together well at the end. Vinny Jones is in it when he could act a little bit.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean he wasn't too bad in this or snatched to be fair to him that's because
2: he didn't have to do any acting in this at all yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just took his football kit off
1: yeah smashed people's heads in with car doors yeah <laughs> but it, yeah its it it's I just thought it was a very good kind of gangster action film it, it was it was everything that guy Ritchie's tried to do since and has failed but like he actually he does when he does well he makes good film. didn't he do the man from uncle mm-hmm. yeah and i thought the sherlock holmes films he did were okay snatch was very the second good
0: one the second second sherlock holmes film from what i read about it was they were literally writing it as they were going along
2: right it does, it does feel like that when you watch it as well.
0: Yeah, there was no structure there. It was just, let's film this bit, and then what do we want to do? We'll, we'll write this bit, and he'll do that.
2: It's not crap. It's just nowhere near as good as the first one. Mm. But, then he,
1: but then he makes stuff like Revolver, and or what was the other one with um, Jared Butler? Um, uh, rock and Roller. Roll. Yes, it was, yeah. yeah.
2: I like Rock and Roller. Uh, uh, I think Rock but, and Roller was the first thing I saw yeah. Mark Strong in. I love him in that.
1: But yeah, I, I just the 13 year old me loved Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, and the 30 year old me still likes it a hell of a lot. It's not about its flaws, but I think it for a film that's got multiple story threads, it comes it, it, it all comes together quite well. And it works. Yeah. Did you, watch,
2: uh, did you watch the normal one or the director's cut?
1: Um, I think the DVD I've got is the normal one. I also opened the, the DVD case I had for the Snatch as well, so I was going to watch that again, but didn't in the end. But it's got the my original receipt from Woolworths in there. Oh yeah, it cost me twenty pounds. Twenty quid. Nineteen ninety nine oh. for a DVD.
2: No wonder Woolworths went under.
1: <laughs> not, not even any pick a mix on that receipt. <laughs> <laughs> time now for our uh, review of this week's big new release which is alien covenant the latest film in the alien franchise directed by ridley scott starring michael fassbender and a whole host of others the film is it's a sequel to prometheus or it follows prometheus and basically it's humans are looking to colonize a a planet but they end up going to a, a slightly different planet because they find a is it a stress call or is it just a beacon sign of life or something?
0: They hear a... They, they get interference, the magnetic interference from something, and then it turns out that it's a song that's being played. Right. So that confuses them because on a planet that they assumed was uninhabited, they're hearing familiar music. And So, yeah. Basically, what happens, you get the... Um, this is... I think this is... Fair game. We're not really spoiling. Yeah, it's probably any- worth
1: saying that we're going to do a spoiler alert for this bit. So, uh, yeah. for for this film, so we'll tell you when that's happening. Um, but this part will be unspoiled. Then we'll do some recommendations, and then we'll go back and exactly. do it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but there's the, like there's, I think it's fair game to say you're going to end up on a planet. It's not entirely set on a spaceship, right? The reason they go there is because Billy Kudrup, who's the captain of the uh, the Covenant, the spaceship he decides to completely divert their mission away from going to this friendly planet that they've researched for years and they know that will be great for setting up their new colony of humans and think, ah, fuck it, we'll just try this place. Uh, Because nothing was
2: ever likely to go wrong there, was it?
0: I mean, it's, it's one of those sticks that's been used to beat Prometheus with and no alien covenant in that characters do the most stupid things at the most ridiculous of times, insane and,
2: leaps of non-logic. Uh,
0: yes, and I think the film's introduced with one of those. I mean, just the first first major decision they make in the, in the movie is a load of fucking like that would not happen. <laughs> they were just like, I know they they set it up really as Billy Crudup is um, his character is the religious one, right? Did they call it? He calls himself like a. He, you know, it's almost illegal to be a, 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 to be religious because you're deemed like a fanatic yeah. in this futuristic world. But he he basically relies on faith, which doesn't really seem to be faith so much as whatever the fuck he thinks is good. Yeah. Right. He's just going to be steered by the hand of God, which in a weird sort of way. No, I'm not going to say it anymore. But, you know, like, because <laughs> that's the problem we had. We talked about this before we started recording. How much of... Alien Covenant, can you really talk about before you piss people off for just ruining things? Because it's all built on lots of drip-fed information, isn't it?
2: it it's, it's reveal after reveal after reveal after reveal, and it's, it's this constant flow of what's supposed to be surprises, which mm-hmm. we're going to ruin if we just keep talking about the film.
0: I guess, okay, so we can talk broadly about it, broadly. First of all, I want to ask you guys, what is your opinion of, like, briefly, what is your opinion of Alien, Steve? Brilliant. Brilliant. Brooker? Top two franchise ever. Brilliant, okay. Alien, Steve? It is It's good. And Brooker?
2: Uh, third favourite film of all time.
0: Wow. Okay, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, and the uh, the two, Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection? Steve?
1: I can't I haven't seen him either either of them for such okay. a long time.
0: That's fine. Alien three, I think, is like a prison drama, really, with yeah. an alien in it. Alien resurrection is fucking dog shit. Um But yeah. Brooker.
2: Yeah, a- Alien Three, I think, is given a bit of a bad rap. Alien Three's assembly cut is amazing. Alien Resurrection is a steaming pile of wank.
0: Yeah. There's a lot, I mean, that was just too that was a writer who was wrong for the, the film in Joss Whedon. It was a director who was wrong for the film and yep. the cast that were wrong for the film. And a, and a, a studio idea.
2: desperate to just cash in on all that alien cash monies.
0: It it was a flop for all the right reasons, I think, that film. Okay, so that's those films out of the way. So we've got an idea now of where you guys stand. You've got, Brooker, you prefer aliens to aliens. Steve, you're an alien over aliens kind of guy, right? Yeah. So in regards to Prometheus first of all good film bad film bad film
2: amazing film amazing okay i loved prometheus
0: i think prometheus is very interesting i but think like... it, i
1: think it would have been far better if alien uh, sorry prometheus and this weren't connected to the alien films
0: that is a very good point because because,
1: because yeah. alien was uh, was a, a really good essentially a horror film mm-hmm. set in space a bit a, a bit akin to to the thing being a horror film but with an alien in it as the as the menace and then alien you know then there's a good there's good action films in the franchise and now they start trying to bring in this mythology which they did in Prometheus with the alien uh, or the engineers the engineers and how, yeah. and how life was started on earth um and all, why are we here? Where did we come from? Stuff that's not needed in, in Alien, in mm-hmm. in Alien films. It need to just make more Alien or Aliens. Just make more of that.
0: So, so the, it, I definitely uh, agree with that. Mm, I think the, the biggest problem is that it's connected. To, like you said, connected. It could it could be completely separate as a like a a new trilogy or quadrilogy. I think it's going to be.
1: I don't think it needed to be part of the Alien franchise. Um, I don't think it would have made Prometheus a good film in my eyes, but it would have made it better if it didn't try and tie it in with something else. Um, and, and the same with Alien Covenant. I think it would have been better as a as, as Prometheus being a standalone mm. series rather than tying in with something because it just kind of ruins it. In, in Alien and Aliens uh, and 3 and Resurrection as well, you don't need to know where the alien came from. You don't need to know who made it, who created it. Um, why it does what it does? Who the engineers? I oh, just need to know that, that alien's gonna try and kill me. It's quite intimidating. Um, let's deal with it, mm-hmm. or not yeah. deal with it and get eaten.
0: There, I think there was some, thematically there were things that uh, that tie them all together. And you think about, do you remember like years and years ago, Steve, when we had uh, Jerry reviewed Alien, right? And he was he was talking about the idea from um ridley scott and from h r geiger the the guy who did all the uh the the designs of the xenomorphs and all that kind of stuff um they together said that the horror from alien was meant to come really from the fact that it's like homosexual oral rape right it's the the idea of men being impregnated yeah. as opposed to you know, there's a scary thing in the event. It's about actually it's about catching that AIDS.
1: It's, I, yeah, I do. I do remember Jerry talking about that in in quite a lot of detail.
0: Yeah, and I think that is part of what made Alien so good. Is because because I mean, it is just full of phallic symbols everywhere you look. Right. It's all that's what what, what I was talking about earlier with Commando, in that it's tied to this idea of. Um, kind of masculinity and stuff and how you emasculate that and that's the horror in it and i think that um prometheus continued that theme and i think it's much stronger here in alien covenant which is again for the perhaps the first time since alien uh or maybe aliens yeah it's all about the creation of life not just like in a in Prometheus, it was about the godlike creation of life. But I think it, this is about the physical act of creating life. And I think, again, that's where it tries to draw its themes from. But unlike Alien, which was horror, we saw that as like horrific. I think Alien Covenant sees it from a more scientific sort of it's, plight. It's also a, a kind of
1: confused film because it doesn't know whether mm. it wants to be... Um like, tonally, like Alien, or it doesn't know if it totally wants to be a follow-up to Prometheus and mm-hmm. just go into all this uh, mythology and and you know, story and where did we come from and morals and artificial intelligence and everything. Yeah. And, or it doesn't know what it wants to be and it tries to be both and does it badly. You know, it feels, then,
2: like, it feels I just, like... i just... I just Mm. really Scott knows what he wants to do with these films mm. but has realised he's kind of created a rod for his own back he's got too much background that he's got to fit in and yeah. now just kind of cramming
1: yeah I'm just because because it's linked to Alien in the Alien franchise I'm just watching it sort of fed up thinking you don't need to do this you kind of ruin an Alien a bit like, you, you really don't need to do it why don't you just make a separate film whereas if I was watching uh, Prometheus and then just say this is called Covenant not Alien just Covenant so I was watching Prometheus and Covenant and it's not tied to Alien at all I'm just watching that and either thinking okay this is an interesting film with some interesting ideas or this is a crap film but I'm not going oh, why have you tried to link it to Alien and made it just you ruined a kind of Alien franchise and made it you know, tried to link it badly and come up with all this stuff that just doesn't feel like what Alien is
0: about mm. I think that That's that is a good point because it doesn't. It's a good point in so much you're right. It doesn't really do alien very well. It doesn't. It doesn't have the horror to it. It doesn't feel like it's it's part of the same franchise. Whereas I think when it it, it
1: is trying to do the horror, all you're just thinking is, well, in a minute they're going to move away from this and start trying to tell us about the engineers and yeah, gene splicing and making alien things and that
2: it is really, really low on horror and scares and things as well. Mm. Like, I would say it's even quite low on actual alien-esque atmosphere, which I thought Prometheus more or less nailed. I know a lot of people disagree, and I'm I'm okay with that, but what I mean is with with Prometheus, it felt like an alien film, although Mm. it doesn't need to be an alien film, and technically it's not really an alien film. It felt like I was watching an alien film, Mm-hmm. which is kind of what I went into it wanting. I didn't care if it had anything to do with the lore, and I was quite happy to get to the end of it and not see a single face hugger. That wasn't an issue for me in the slightest. But it felt like I was watching... Uh, an, at, the atmosphere felt like I was watching an alien film. This one doesn't. And in That's the, interesting. In the bits where it's a sequel to Prometheus, it's so mm-hmm. good. But in the bits where it's trying to crowbar its way into alien law, it's mm-hmm. so clumsy.
0: I think the the strongest thing is, and it has been with Prometheus, is this whole sort of religious theme to it, um, which there's no real getting away from. Is you know it's, it's all about playing God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Wayland creates who's a human creates the android, which is in Prometheus, David, and in Alien Covenant, Fassbender's back playing Walter this time a sort of more advanced version in a lot of ways of david just more robotic and less human um so to speak but then like um so then the idea from prometheus was that that david sort of saw himself as a sort of life form you know not as a mechanoid not as an android thing and I think then this continues that further. So like, who, who is the creator here? And it, it kind of you know, particularly like again with I mean the most obvious one of the creators is the engineers, and you know, and again just going back to that like thing about masculinity, they're they're all all the the engineers that we saw and have seen they are uh, like big blokes,
2: hulking masses
0: of muscle. They're big men. Yeah. Right? There's no getting away from that. They're big, bold um blokes. <laughs> and the, the, it's the, the thought that they're the blokes and the alien is always thought of as the queen, right? Yeah. So you've got that dichotomy already straight away. Um, You know, the the female's the one that's to be feared and the engineer's the one that's creating life. Um Although at the same time, as you see in Prometheus, the, the engineers are the ones who see... Humanity is just like the utter shit stain on the back of their boxer shorts. You know, they're just <laughs> disgusted to see them. Like when they turn up and they're like, when David tries to talk to them in Prometheus, and he's like, oh, hello. And they're like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> just start swiping them off left and right and center. Huh? It's part of it from Prometheus that the engineers
1: created humanity.
0: That's implied, heavily implied. It's in the, in the
1: prologue or the yeah. opening scene.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. When you see the engineer who's on a planet that looks a lot like Earth.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. But as you see from, from Alien Covenant, of course, is when they're on the planet of this film, like you see it in the trailer, they see wheat. And one of the things they say is, well, who planted wheat? Isn't it odd to be so far into space and see like vegetation that is exactly the same as is on earth yeah so again i i think it's have i think it would be interesting though because what's going to happen apparently with ridley Scott, he's now making the next film in this franchise which will be a prequel to alien covenant oh, so it's going to be set so. between prometheus and covenant right and then the fourth and final film will be a sequel to covenant
2: which annoys the Piss out of me because the pro- the biggest problem I have with Covenant is the fact that it felt like sequel bait.
0: Prometheus did the same.
2: Yeah, no, Promet- it did absolutely. Mm. But I don't want to sit and watch a film that feels like it's setting up another two films, and Covenant does that. I didn't, you know, it, Prometheus did do. It. Prometheus did say, okay, we're going to leave this open ended yeah. for a sequel. Mm-hmm. Whereas Prometheus, uh, whereas Covenant absolutely feels like, <laughs> yeah, come back in two years.
0: Hmm. Oh, for fuck's sake. I don't need But that's any not even that. come back in two years for an, the next. No, bit it's, of it's come <laughs> back
2: in four or five.
0: But, like, have if, if you, you watched the prologues that were released for this, right, over the past couple of months?
2: Yeah, I watched a couple okay. of them.
0: Yeah, so you've seen the one. There's a prologue with Shaw and David in it. David yep. being Fastbender's android from Prometheus, and Shaw being newly yep. replaced. It's,
2: it's basically David's diary. Yes. From between Prometheus and not exactly. long after Prometheus.
0: So do, uh, what uh, my question really is, do we need to see that extended into a longer film? Because I don't think so.
2: No, it just needs to be a special feature when the Blu-ray comes out.
0: Yeah. The only thing that's not explained in the prologue uh, is sure, like exactly where she is now at that point in the prologue, right? Yeah. Um. Which is only vaguely alluded to in Covenant, anyway. Yeah, and you know, it's not. I mean, it, I'm not saying much, but it's it's not about sure. We can say that this 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 film is all about Daniels and Walter. Daniels yes. being Catherine Waterston, who's for all intents and purposes the Ripley character. She, I, mean, I
2: liked her as the Ripley character as well.
0: Hmm. But what I mean by that, she's nothing like Ripley, but she is the female protagonist, who's the the lead.
1: The problem with the film for me isn't the actors and the performances. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's it's not that all. There's some decent performances, and they're they're working with a plot where some characters do stupid shit just to move the story along.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: our bread and butter.
0: Are you talking about Danny McBride flying the ship too low? And yeah
1: it's just stuff that people like you're obviously sending if you're going to colonise another planet you're sending like pretty smart people who know what they're doing mm-hmm. if you're, in Prometheus if you're sending uh, somebody to look for what they're looking for in Prometheus you're sending smart people in the 2000 mm-hmm. colonists in, in uh, Covenant like you're not going to send 2000 idiots are you you're going to send you're going to send people who are probably learned in some field that you will need to colonise a planet. So there will be, at, at, the very, at the very lowest, there'll be somebody you know who's going to grow crops, and there'll be people who
0: use common sense and logic. So why don't they? Well, there's how many people on the Covenant? There's two, 2,000? I there was 2,000, yeah. Yeah, 2,000. But I don't know how many of those are, because you see lots of... 2,000 the, plus crew. So they're just the crew. Right, so
1: 2,000 plus the people we see in the film. Yeah. Like the actual people who have lines. So Uh, 2008.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other thing is, because the crew is so, um, there's so many characters, most of them, I mean, you can understand why they're reduced to like stereotypes like Tennessee. Right, Danny McBride's character. I love Tennessee. I thought he was. I quite liked him, but I think that was Danny McBride making him quite I, like. I think
2: it was. I, I haven't seen Danny McBride in much that isn't comedy, so yeah. I I quite liked him in this. And yeah. I know it's got absolutely nothing to do with his performance or anything, but it it kind of left me a little at ease at the fact that he's directing a Halloween film. <laughs> I kind of looked going, yeah, okay. I I kind of trust you now not to make you know yeah. Pineapple Express.
0: But then it did did a little bit of like what I guess would have been called stunt casting in that it had James Franco in it. Yes. And I say James Franco in it because it's been advertised. He's only got a very small part, but a lot smaller than I even thought.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah.
0: But we can talk about that a little bit, a little bit more. We get into spoiler alert, but I just thought the cast, um, Fastbender aside, who is just absolutely fucking phenomenal in this film, yeah, one of my favorite of performances of his, um, actually, is, is his role in here, uh, particularly for a couple of scenes which I'm dying to talk about when we get to spoiler alert, yeah, um, but him, I thought he worked well. Catherine Waterston was okay, but she. She didn't have much in the way of character to work with. The, no. In fact, her best scene, I thought, came between her and Billy Crudup, where he was talking about that he, he wants to go to this planet and she was saying it's that's illogical. There's no reason to do that. Yeah. And that set up a bit of conflict between the two. And actually, in the um, Last Supper prologue, which again, of course, is another biblical reference, you know, you've got Covenant, you've got this... There's, I think, Walter delivers the line something to do with rain in hell or you know from Paradise Lost. Yeah, uh, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. But in the prologue, The Last Supper, you see Billy Crudup who desperately wants to be part of the team and give a speech and stuff, but no one really pays attention to him. And you yeah. see him as the outsider. He's the he's the leader, but actually, no respect for him whatsoever. No. And I think it really set something up that was interesting for his character that it just didn't capitalise on. I don't know what you guys felt about yeah. the crew. I I, yeah. mean, I
2: I, I didn't mind. I I liked Waterstone. I thought she was great. I liked Danny McBride. The rest of them, more or less forgettable.
0: Entirely forgettable, I think, really.
2: Yeah. I had a, a mate of mine ask me on Facebook, I think, mm-hmm. if it felt like a Ridley Scott film. <laughs> and I was like, No. And maybe, I think it hmm. maybe this is half my problem with it it just didn't feel like Ridley Scott for me when he makes great films you watch them and go that's a Ridley Scott film you know but it, three it, of them <laughs> yeah, but this is what i mean but it looks like one of his run of the mill films
0: oh this which, was on target for budget it was in on time it, there was there was you know, nothing
2: big special or clever about it no nope. and that's disappointing for a franchise that's so beloved, mm. it needs to be respected a bit more by the people that are making films for it, especially the guy that fucking invented it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> before we re- we get on to talk about stuff that was really, you know, the things that I desperately want to talk about in this film, the, um, the only two things I want to say is John Logan, who wrote the script for this, or screenplay for this, uh, who uh, has worked with Ridley Scott before, you know, on Gladiator, I think they worked together on Gladiator. Um, he much improved the script overall from what was in Prometheus I think because Prometheus had some very dodgy dialogue in it. I mean it was uh, it was a bit all over the place that one. But also the only, the only other finest thing I want to say is the CGI I thought was the stuff that was noticeably CGI was just not great. It was a bit. There, weird.
2: there were a couple of bits there that were very reminiscent of Alien Three.
0: It could have been made at the same time, yeah, because yeah. it just looked like it just didn't fit. No. Just, it was too too cartoony. It just it just didn't look right to me. You could, I mean, it, I don't know whether it was technically. It's you it's know. got that thing like, like I said,
2: Alien Three done it but a couple of bits crawling around the the ceilings in that all yellow, and mm. you could, the the CGI is is terrible. We're talking you know sick formers in After
0: Effects kind of awful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't quite like Asylum levels, but it, <laughs> no, it no no no. It, no absolutely not. But it it was just below par. I thought
2: I'm I'm scared because mm. I've I've pre ordered that film on 4K. Uh, I, I'm not sure I want to watch those scenes. I know the ones you mean. I, I, I'm not sure I want to see those scenes in 4K because they may actually ruin a film that I kind mm.
0: of liked. it probably look worse, yeah. But <laughs> I think gen- general o- overall thoughts before we go to spoiler alert and so we can sort of get closer to wrapping this up because Steve, you edited this week, not me. But yeah. It's yeah. a
1: disappointment.
0: I, I liked it when it was... A, I think I said on Twitter afterwards and I still stand by it. I think it... It's a good film when it's a Prometheus sequel. It's a bad film when it's an alien sequel. And it's yeah. the thing going back to the point Steve made right at the start. It just doesn't marry the two particularly well. No, no. I,
2: I liked it, but it's, it's another film. that I'm going to spend an inordinate amount of time defending. And as the time <laughs> goes on, I'm going to worry if it's really worth it.
1: Um, spoiler alert coming up then, but just some recommendations for the week ahead. Uh, for, for those of you uh, finishing listening now, uh, I'm going to go for Netflix has just added uh, a film from last year called Selma, a biopic of part of Martin Luther King's life uh, and the marches through the city of Selma in uh, the USA. Brooker? Uh, so
2: mine is Friday morning, Thursday night, Friday morning at 10 to 1 on the Horror Channel is... One of my favourite horror films from the last couple of years is We Are Still Here. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And Owen? Um, I'm recommending a film called The Outlaw Josie Wales, which is Clint Eastwood. Uh, I think it might have been the first film he directed, actually. It's a Western. Great film. Yeah, from uh, 1976. Um, it is a really good Western, and I think as, as much praise as... Clint Eastwood has gotten as a, like a competent film director since then. And as kind of rough around the edges as Outlaw Josie Wales is, I think he's probably the best film he's directed. It's uh, quality. It's on Dave on Saturday at 10pm. So um, probably outside of the Dollars trilogy, it's the the best Western that um, Clint Eastwood's done, I think. Uh,
1: so, yes, uh, that's all for this week's Fail Critics Podcast should you not be joining us for spoiler alert uh, and thank you all for listening and see you next week Um, those of you joining us for spoiler alert that is happening now Uh, the traditional Matt Lambeau warning is going out if you haven't seen um, Alien Covenant don't listen past this point because you will have the film and various plot details spoiled for you, you have been warned
0: The Failed Critics podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening.
1: Owen, oh, you wanted to cut lead on a couple of points for spoiler alert.
0: I really, really wanted to say, and I didn't want to bring it into the previous section David is by far and away the most interesting aspect to this entire film. And it was, like, painful trying to talk about Alien Covenant and pick out some of the things that were could about without bringing into it that David is there as a central character because it's a reveal within the film, right? It's played as a, you know, you you kind of know who it is, but he's got hood up and you can see long hair to try and throw you off the scent a little bit. Um, but then there he is, flute playing, fingering David. <laughs>
2: That is without a doubt the best line in any alien film so far. But like <laughs> I'll do the
0: fingering. It's funny, but like so poignant to the whole point of this film. Which is yeah. again, because like it's all about relationships, right? It's all about relationships. The crew are all in relationships, like there's pairs of them. They're all paired off. There's a couple who are gay, there's, you know, mostly. Heterosexual couples, there's interracial couples, it's all, it doesn't matter. They're all just like, the thing is, it's about the pairing of people. And the thing that David cannot do is be in a relationship because there is no other who is uh, of his type. There's no other half to uh, David. And so in that scene, it's his version of like flirting because it's, that's what he's trying to do. Is found Walter, and Walter is like a type of him. And so he says, I'll finger your flute. I think it is meant to be <laughs> suggestive. And then he snogs him afterwards, which is, you know, weird to see because it's Fassbender snogging Fassbender. But I think in terms of the whole like, thing of the, the film, the whole point of the film is he's desperately trying to find uh, love. And he can't because he talks about how he thought he had it with, like he said, he, uh, you know, I loved Shaw. And Walter says, that's impossible. You can't love Shaw. You're not able to love Shaw. Like physically capable of it. And it's like, it's true. He can't. It's not It's It's not possible for him. He's imagining what love is. Because I think it's also brought into the film that the, The thing that's on the table is sure, right? You know, everyone goes, uh, you see all the, the growths and the burst chest and everything is that's sure. That's a woman on the table who's been experimented on. You assume that she's been experimented on. And I think that if that was the case, then he didn't love her, did he? Because if he loved her, he wouldn't have used her to create a species that could love him.
1: Unless he's mental.
0: Which he probably is a bit
1: bonkers. And she and she didn't love him, so he's gone mental.
0: Yeah. I suppose I am ruling out, you know, I'm assuming that she didn't sacrifice herself for him and suggest that he did the experiments on her. for.
1: And if he's creating a species to love him out of the woman who didn't love him, but he loved. hmm There you go.
0: Yeah. No, that's true. That is a good point. And, you know, the whole... You see the bit where he's trying to communicate with the... Um, the xenomorph hybrid thing, and um,
2: which both times he does that are pretty fucking laughable.
0: They're naff. They're both really naff. But the, like the one of them where it's the more adult one, um, where he's sort of face to face to it, and he's talking about how they communicate through breathing or whatever. Right then, Billy Crudup shoots it, and you see the like j- like the proper anguished expression on his face. Like, no, you've you've killed something how could you kill something and i think is made even better when you think well he just wiped out the race of engineers for (laughs) fucking jealousy yeah essentially you know because they're capable of all the things that he's not wayland created android android created xenomorphs the engineers created humans He's destroyed the, the engineers. It's just like bringing it into one big circle. And the fact that at the end, he just goes off with the covenant. Like, yep, I'm off to make my own race of aliens oh. using you people now. In the it's single most like,
2: telegraphed ending I think I've seen in the last year.
0: But isn't that just like, the that was the perfect ending for it. I know it's like sneakily trying to play itself off as a twist, as a reveal. But you know, you know, everyone knows it's David. I think the yeah. the nod and the wink is, we know it's David. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's a twist and reveal in so much as it should be for the audience. The audience should be the ones sort of on the edge of their seats, going, "Oh my God, what's going to happen to this is David? This isn't Walter," you know. So when uh, Daniels finds out, was quite amusing. I just, I just loved Fassbender's expression in that as he's sort of tucking her in, putting the, the lid down on it, and you just see the sort of smile come across his face, and he's like off ago i'm going to go and uh set my plan in motion catch you later <laughs> i just thought fantastic scene really great scene to end it on yeah um uh, yeah i mean so david for me is just like the the perfect character to continue the yeah, i want to see more of this this series this franchise to see david none of, i mean Fassbender's is brilliant but also uh, david is just the most interesting character they've had since ripley there's just so so many like facets to him, and what yeah. he brings to the series. But um, I have realised again we've gone into spoiler alert. and Steve asked me one question. I've gone on off for this massive tangent again, so I'm just going to take a step back now and say you guys can spoil whatever you like now. Free <laughs> reign.
1: I I don't really have a great deal to say. I'm I'm dis- disappointed with it, and I just think. I, I would quite happily never see another film in the Alien franchise again, and just leave it as it is. I know it's it's exaggeration, but for me, these films risk being the prequel trilogy to you know for, for Star Wars to, to the Alien franchise. They're well, not as they're not as bad as that, but I just think they they well, ruin. No, but they're getting quite close to being Hell you know, Hellraiser six,
2: seven, and eight
1: just kind of they just kind of ruined what not ruined but they're tarnishing the the legacy that alien left as being some brilliant sci-fi films right. and then films within other genres as well and then this just whole engineers and david stuff it's just it doesn't work in in that franchise i agree completely that david's a, an interesting character and and you know doing interesting things and and you want to kind of see where it goes, I well, just don't need to see why it had to be tied into Alien.
0: And um, it just—it's
1: just that just keeps frustrating me. I'm just sort of like not bothered by the whole thing.
0: Well, I don't think it—it it, it doesn't really matter that it is tied to Alien, though, does it?
1: In the same way that it does because you're always thinking about Alien when you're watching it. It's I always there.
0: I don't know if you—you're what you. Well, I'm, I can't say what you are doing, what anybody else is doing, or that anyone's watching it better than anyone else, or anything like that. But I I thought that it this one it doesn't you're right it doesn't have to be an alien film they could be anything that David is creating right they could just be I don't know tiny little pink men or something right it's the whole the whole thing is that well I guess they would be tiny little women but you know <laughs> female things because that's the and but it, it I think it's just the fact that. It, I think it stemmed from the idea of well, where did the xenomorphs come from? And then that's expanded as a whole evolution of ideas. Well, if the where did the xenomorphs come from? Well, if they well, where did the things that created the xenomorphs come from? Where did the things that did they the same things that created people? Is it just this massive like thing that's been going on for? Why were the miners called to that ship in the first place? You know, in Alien. And all that kind, of... well, they weren't miners, were they? Whatever they were, but you know, yeah, they're the all whole,
2: miners, weren't they?
0: Was it mining? Was it mining crew? I go. I often think it's a mining crew, and I think, no, wait, that's red dwarf. It's completely <laughs> different. But uh, yeah. So, but it, at the same time, just because they are xenomorphs uh, or h- hybrid things, um,
2: I saw them called something else the other day, and I, I remember uh, reading it. Going, I'm desperately oh, trying to neomorphs,
0: neomorphs. Neomorphs. Yeah. Yes. Because that's what they were called just on set, apparently. I think just because they are... I don't think that necessarily tarnishes it. And it's like the the title, Alien Covenant. At first, that really annoyed me. It was like, well, don't call it Alien Covenant. You're already going to shoot yourself in the foot by having Alien in the title. Because it's not an Alien film. And you're just tricking people into thinking they're going to see an Alien sequel. Um, But the more I I thought about it, the more it makes sense... Because it's, it's not a covenant, um, you know, covenant is in like a b- biblical promise type deal, right? They're going off to repopulate another planet. Uh, it's like, a, uh, you know, but, uh, but tying alien into the title actually kind of makes sense in that sense, in that way, because that's what's literally happening is that David's created an alien covenant instead. Um, but anyway, so it works after you've seen the film, I think. But beforehand, I thought, it's just people are going to go in, precisely as Steve said, thinking this is going to be an alien film. And well, it,
1: no, no, people... I didn't go in expecting that. I went in wanting it. And I think after Prometheus, wait, sorry. people won't people won't go in expecting it. They might go in wanting it, but after Prometheus, I don't think they'll go in expecting it.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But so the, the whole thing, uh, for me, overall, was a good film. I thought the the, the way that it dealt with James Franco... Was quite funny.
2: Well, they they fucking drew Barrymore him.
0: Yeah, I say <laughs> funny. Funny is not perhaps the <laughs> the right term because burning him alive inside that tube was quite grim. Who hasn't wanted to do
2: that to to James Franco? <laughs> oh, I I, I like James Life. Franco. Yeah,
0: but um, I I just thought that was quite quite good. And I watched the pro- the prologue today, uh, the Last Supper prologue, which he's in. Yeah, And in that, it, he's got flu. And he says, oh, I'm burning up. I thought, oh, <laughs> nice. Nice setup. So the Xenomorphs, let's talk a little bit about the Xenomorphs then, because um, we're running over time a little bit, and I don't want to drag on for. We mentioned like the fact that they're created by David. The little one lifting his arms oh, to God. mimic David. Did you cringe as much as I did in the cinema? Yeah. Yeah. That was
2: just... Just because he looked like he was rehearsing for the Thriller video.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I thought the point of these... I thought the point of the Xenomorphs was they don't see him as a thing, you know, as a person, as a a creature. He's just an an inanimate... or animated object, you know? He's not alive. It
2: does does very much... uh, I don't... uh, the thing that it reminded me of, between that and the, the other one, the the fully grown one that he was trying to communicate with, mm-hmm. it reminded me a bit of Brad Dourif in Alien Four, mm. when he was trying to do the same thing. Yeah, and the thing with it in Alien Four was it was kind of well, the way I took it anyway. Was it, it was it was the way to prove that no matter what they, <clears throat> excuse me, no matter what they'd done, this thing was never gonna be tamed it was just going to fucking eat you there's you know yeah. there's no two ways about that that's 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 how your relationship with that thing ends with bits of you in its mouth that's how it works
0: mm-hmm. and
2: i kind of i didn't like how that ended in or how that came about in covenant cuz so i was like well for this thing that it's supposed to be this you know does nothing you know this 100% killing machine mm-hmm I don't like how the now we're standing, do, playing Just Dance with it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: it, it actually, I did. I cringe, but then actually it wound me up. Because
0: mm. mm.
2: that's what makes the fucking thing so scary. Is that it is a, you know, one hundred percent killing machine. There's no, there's no fucking around. It just kills everything. But now you know. Now we're we're doing little. We're playing the mirror game with it. Yeah.
0: And I mean yeah. you even ignoring even ignoring all the criticisms of it in terms of well, hasn't it just completely ruined the whole like um structure of these like what we knew about the aliens or the xenomorphs? That you know, where they come from. You have an egg and that has a face hugger and the face hugger pops out a little baby one inside of John Hurt, and then that grows up and so on. Yeah. That that that's kind of well, where I saw something... Uh, Birthing the timelines
2: are starting to annoy me as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, because they both are like... <laughs> but like, uh, even in terms of well, where do those eggs and stuff come from? So uh, were these xenomorphs already present on the planet? Or... I mean, how, how, yeah, so he, there's lots of confusing... He the fact that he's created them. But then yeah. did he... He laid eggs? I mean, <laughs> this, this, this is what I mean. This is, it's,
2: yes. I I don't care where the Xenomorphs came from. Yeah. I, just, I care yeah. that, and it kind of leads into another thing as well. Like the, the bait and switch that Ridley Scott has done twice now. Mm. He's ended up on two fucking alien planets that at the end of he's flown off of. I'm sick of not being on LV426. Mm. I well. want to see how all these fucking eggs got there. If you're going to tell me the story of the Xenomorph, show me how that field of eggs appeared as if out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. Well, any, any more for any more? Just another couple points. So, the scene where it's revealed that David wiped out the planet of engineers, how dark was that? Were that you expecting that?
2: That was. That was quite hardcore. That was very uh, pompey
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good analogy, yeah. Because I, I saw it in, in the cinema and I was like, what? <laughs> Isn't David the one who tries to open a dialogue with these people? <laughs> Is he just a bit offended because they swiped him you get, aside? when get the when feeling he's
2: there? pissed because their one representative beat the shit out of him.
0: Yeah, because the one representative looked down its nose at him, not even as a like, uh, you know, a communicable person, just as a, ugh, what the fuck is this in this room? Just <laughs> bat him to one side like a flea. I didn't expect them to do mass genocide like this. Um, no, it
2: was it was really grim,
0: and partly because I wanted to see more of the, the engineers, <laughs> you know. But yeah. the only other thing I, I thought was a really good scene was, um, again, just going back to this whole like motif of like biblical analogies and stuff was a scene where Billy Crudrup is, um, dying. And he says to David, what do you believe in? And he says, creation <laughs> just goes off. I thought that was a nice little joke because it's just to piss off Crudrup, isn't it?
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, it was a good scene. Added a bit of sort of character to David, not that he needed any more character. He was already pretty fucking goddamn badass anyway, but, uh, So that's really all I wanted to say was um, about the flute scene, really. That was my main driver for this uh, spoiler alert. The flute scene, yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think that's
1: it for for spoiler alert and obviously for the podcast as a whole for this week. Thank you all for for joining us. Hopefully you've enjoyed uh, this week's podcast. And we'll be back, Owen, next week with... Uh, King Arthur. There we go. Can't wait.